0: Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. Today, I'm going to cover a process that I have been using for almost 30 years. And it is, I think, a good time for this discussion. People have been working remotely. People have been working independently, whether it's your team, whether it's your company or organization, whether you're part of a board, a ministry, a charity, or any type of organization. It's difficult at this time to have people collaborate properly. Zoom just doesn't do it. There are challenges that people are facing getting people back together. There's also changing markets, changing circumstances, changing economic headwinds, and maybe there's changes in leadership, maybe there's changes in staffing, maybe there's changes in process, anything. This particular formula I'm going to expose you to has helped me throughout my career. First as a practicing real estate agent with his own team, then later on my own brokerage. For 26 years, I've used this inside Buffini Company. We've gone through many, many changes, whether it be structural, personnel, platforms, innovations, market changes, recessions, all kinds of stuff. And I especially think right now, because people have been working independently, getting people together. I'm witnessing, I'm experiencing this. I sit on a number of boards. I'm, I'm watching the friction take place. I'm getting a lot of calls from people I've helped and mentored over the years who are in leadership positions who are like, they're kind of taken aback by some of the challenges they're facing. So, this is uh, whether you're a sole practitioner, run a big company, uh, or serve on a board, any type, of, even a family meeting, this will work. It's called the magic meeting. I have used it throughout my career to great, great effect. And it's basically how to get people to buy in, how to get people to weigh in, how to get people connected, aligned to a vision, and then moving forward on, on some next steps. So, here's three points for you today. First and foremost, people need to feel heard. That is the first key ingredient to any type of collaboration, support, or team environment. Next, uh, we're going to cover the actual magic meeting and the structure of it itself. And then lastly, people need to see you taking action on their ideas. When you have the meeting, if people give their input, if people give their ideas, and you do nothing other than have a meeting, now you get into what Pat Lencioni wrote a famous book about called death by meeting. So you have meetings for the sake of it, for the purpose of it. And again, the whole dynamic of people being a part of a business company, organization, charity, and feeling like their work is meaningless is one of the most significant negative impacts you can have. So people need to feel a sense of meaning and movement with the things they've proposed. So let's kind of dive in. First and foremost, people need to feel heard. Now, as a salesman, For the past 35 years, 36 years, well, that's in the States. I was a salesman before that too in Ireland. I caught on to this very early on in my life, that if people don't feel heard, if you just talk at and over people, it breaks down relationship and it breaks down trust. People need to feel heard. They need to be able to know that their perspective is valued, that they are valued, and that they might have something to say. There's a great quote that says, none of us are as smart as all of us. And many people feel in leadership, and I I address this a lot of times with people who are either young leaders by age or young leaders in regards to chronology, and that they they just haven't developed. They might be in a leadership position for 20 years, they just haven't developed. People feel who are in leadership positions, you need to have all the answers. Uh, You never want to show weakness. Uh, you never want to have anything where you're second guessing yourself or in doubt, because then the team will be crushed. And I'm going to say the opposite is true. I am very, very comfortable in this podcast. I'm very comfortable sharing with you my foibles, setbacks, shortcomings. With my team, I'm more than happy, and they're all they're all keenly aware, by the way, of what my setbacks and shortcomings are. I lean into. Them. My goal is to be brilliant at the things I'm good at, and to find brilliant people and brilliant processes for all the places where I need help. That's the goal. So people need to feel heard. I often talk about Moses with the message, that many times leaders, uh, they get excited about a goal or a vision. They come down the mountain and it's like Moses with the two tablets. Here it is. This is the law. This is how it's going to be. There's going to be a lot of changes going on. That is not great leadership. That doesn't really happen well. In fact, it didn't work for Moses. When Moses came down the mountain. In the, in the book of Exodus, and the people of Israel were there. They were having this wild party, kind of like a seedy type party, and they were all, you know, going nuts and crazy. Moses comes down. I've got this big message. He doesn't get the response he wants. He actually smashes the tablets of stone. Even Moses coming down the mountain with the message didn't even work for Moses. I've seen many leaders, and they go on this off-site, and they come away with a vision statement and a mission statement. They come back, here's what we're going to do and people have no buy-in. So people don't feel heard, don't feel like they've contributed. So the next thing you know, they, they do the second part of why people need to feel heard, is they, they oppose the change. John Wooden said it best. He goes, listen if you want to be heard. Now, there's one of the greatest coaches in the history of sports. Listen if you want to be heard. That's how you win championships. You listen first. Peter Drucker, who basically invented the World of business consulting. He said the most important thing in communication is to hear what isn't being said. And I think that's profound. Ask questions what's being said, what isn't being said. So, as Greek philosopher Plutarch said, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. If you're trying to lead people, if you're trying to influence people, getting people engaged and getting them fired up and getting their input and getting their responses, that's how you lead. That's how you lead. Now, I'm not for a second saying you lead by committee. I've said on this program many times, a committee is a group of people who individually believe nothing can be done and as a group are convinced of it. So it's not about that. It's about getting buy-in, letting people know they're being hurt. If you don't, you get into this dynamic where change imposed is change opposed. Change imposed is change opposed. When people try to lay down the law, you know, I used to say uh, with raising our kids, uh, we could tell them to sit down in their chair. And they might be sitting down on the outside, but you have to watch in case they're standing up on the inside. Change imposed is changed opposed. Al Stewart, a Scottish folk singer, said, nothing that's forced can ever be right if it doesn't come naturally, leave it. I don't know, them Scottish folk singers, man, they had some good things to say. You can't just force things through. You can't just press. Change imposed is change opposed, and it always will be. People don't like change to start with, but they have to have some kind of say-so in it. And then lastly, it's very, very important just as you prepare for the magic meeting, is that you've got to give time for thinkers to prepare. You know, I'm a synergistic person. So if I'm in a meeting and somebody wants to brainstorm and put stuff up on flip charts, I'm able to go. I'm quick. I'm a rapid person. I love to synergize, rapid, boom, 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 good to go. Some people need time. They're more methodical in nature. They're more philosophical in approach. And if you don't give them time to prepare, they won't contribute, they won't feel heard, and some of your best ideas and best input won't be brought to the forefront. Remember, sometimes complex problems, which hopefully, which is why you're having a meeting in the first place, because it was simple, why are we having a meeting? But if it's a difficult, challenging problem, normally it requires some thinking. And so many times people go, oh, you know, they're great in a meeting. They're terrible. These people are great because they're like me. They synergize back and forth, back and forth. But just because of that, and a lot of those people like to talk all the time and take all the air out of the room. So what you have to do is give people a chance to prepare. What does that mean? A detailed agenda of what you're going to discuss. A detailed Request of what you're looking for and give people then a few days at least to have a chance to think and prepare. And if you're doing so many meetings and so many conversations that people don't have time to prepare, you're, then your death by meeting is confirmed. Warren Buffett said, I insist a lot of time being spent almost every day just to sit and think. Who does that anymore? Well, the greatest investor in the world does. Blaise Pascal said, Man's greatness lies in his power of thought. And George Bernard Shaw, said the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. So you can have a meeting, oh, six or seven people contribute, three or four don't say a word. Well, to me, that's because there wasn't enough preparation. Sometimes it means a person wants to share their ideas in a private setting. Or maybe something sensitive. Even after the magic meeting, you can encourage people to send you emails. But again, what you're really trying to do is create some kind of synergistic process where you're co-creating. So let me dive in. The magic meeting. And when I say this to you, it won't sound that magical at all, except except the words that we use, how we do it, and the way it's done is magic. So I'm going to share with you. I've seen people kind of paraphrase or do this in different orders and come away going, man, that didn't work at all. Well, no doubt. I kind of gave you a formula, A, B, and C, and you went C, A, B. And so this really works, but you got to do it this way. So first and foremost, I'm a big fan of the giant sticky notes. You know the big 3M pads that you peel them off. They have a little adhesion on the top and stick stick them on the wall. Uh, David, Lally, and I just did an offsite going over content for the podcast, and big giant sticky notes plastered all over the wall. It's just a great way to synergize. This is a great way to do it because what you want to do is capture all the thoughts, capture all the ideas and uh, capture the problems, and then put them up on the wall so that everybody gets to see them and focus on them, and that also that you're going to address them all, okay? The next thing is, uh, as we go through this, you are going to ask for feedback. No matter what people's feedback is, you want to write it down, no no matter how ludicrous. And on occasion, I've had people say the stupidest things, and I never address it. I never defend it. Sometimes they take a shot. Sometimes it's a little passive-aggressive. Sometimes it's like, it's whatever. What I want to know is, A, what do they think? B, how do they think, specifically? I want to know what people are thinking. I want to know how they think. It also helps me know who's on the team, who I can count on, who I can count on for what. So here's where it starts. I start with three questions. So everybody gets an email. I want you to think about these three things. We're going to meet on it. There's no sacred cows. I want you to say whatever you need to say. We're really looking to make our organization, our process, whatever we're working on, the best it can be. So the first question is what's working well? The second is what needs improvement? And third are what are your ideas? It's very important. It's in this order and it's these words. So for example, what's working well? Many times people have thought, well, let's just bypass that. I mean, come on, I'm going to sit around patting each other on the back. It's very important as a group that you affirm what's working well. And the second thing is, what needs improvement is not what are our problems. If you say what are our problems, people are going to give you problems. What needs improvement means there's hope. We're going to make things better. We're going to improve. We're just going to complain right now because, you know, I've been wanting to get this stuff off my chest. That's not what this is. And then what are your ideas? If people in the meeting bring up the problems but don't contribute any ideas. You also know what you have there, which is someone who wants to wallow in the problem, cover themselves in that, rotisserize on that, and also it gives them an excuse of why they're not accomplishing or getting more done. I want to know. If someone brings up a problem, but they haven't had a chance to even think of a solution, there's a problem. There's a problem. They're not solution-oriented. They're not thinking about solutions. I've done this It. Every single stage. At one stage, Buffini Company, we had 14 departments. I think we have 13 today. I've met with every single department and done this. When Dermot became the CEO of Buffini Company 10 years ago, he went through every single department in the company. And prior to COVID, we used to do this on a very regular basis with every single department in our organization. And it is amazing the stuff that you, what? We're doing what? that's That's happening? Really? It's amazing some of the stuff you get. And also, amazing, some of the stuff that people are worried about or concerned about. So, what's working well? Carl Menninger, who was a U.S. Uh, psychiatrist, said, listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones who we move forward with. When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. Alfred Brendel uh, was an Austrian classical pianist, said, the word listen contains the same letters as the word silent, powerful. So I basically stand at the board. Uh, Sometimes I'll have someone else write it down and direct the conversation and say, what's working well? What's working well? And sometimes people want to talk, and uh, sometimes they want a little congratulations or acknowledgement, so on and so forth. Great. Yeah, that is working well. Great. And I'm basically just writing things down with as little commentary as possible. And I will write down as many things that they say are working well. And then plaster on the wall. And that becomes the centerpiece in the meeting or the boardroom. Let's see, 1997, Home Savings of America was the largest uh, mortgage lender in the United States. And they asked me to come in and and do some work with them. And I went into this fanciest boardroom you ever saw. And they had a chef that had the meals for everybody. And uh, they had, you know, screens that came up out of the ground. And I just came in with a flip chart and a marker pen. And they're looking at me like, what is this kid doing? I was 28, 29 years old at the time. I did this exercise and it transformed that organization, transformed it, transformed to the point that they, they made the front of the Wall Street Journal. They went from $17 million in retail loans a day to $63 million a day within 18 months. Their cost to generate a lead fell from like $157 down to $17. And their turnover ratio amongst their mortgage consultants at the time was 72% a year. It went down into the mid-20s. We transformed this publicly traded company. It was a Wall Street darling. Their profits exploded, tripled their gross revenue, and quadrupled their net. By a 29, 30-year-old kid in with a flip chart and a marker pen doing the magic meeting. What's working well? At the time, home savings was in tremendous turmoil. So when I focused and really pressed them, tell me what's working well. That team became galvanized. They went, hang on a second here. The world's not falling apart. So whether it's a small business, a giant publicly traded company, or a board of some nonprofit, this formula works. The next thing is what needs improvement? This is where we're getting ideas. This is where we're finding out where the sore spots are. What needs improvement? It's not what are the problems. What needs improvement? First of all, what is needing improvement? What can we improve? What needs improvement? And it's also a way to say this that doesn't create this stupid extra confrontation uh, where people are throwing each other under the bus or people need to feel defensive. If something needs improvement, uh, we can speak about other parts of an organization or, or a process or the boss or whatever. What needs improvement? And no matter what they say, I write it down. And no matter when I have done this exercise, someone will say something goofy. But people will also say some very good things. People will often talk about your core fundamentals that you think are nails. And really? And it's very important. It's very important. You know, if they'd have done this when they're building the Titanic, they might have found out that they needed a double hull. As opposed to, no, 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 our hulls are impenetrable, the unsinkable ship. But the truth of the matter is, the guys in Belfast had some concerns who are building the ship. But they had no way to voice them, nowhere to say and it didn't go anywhere. So what needs improvement? And no matter what, I'm just writing it down, writing it down, writing it down, writing it down. No commentary, writing it down. Sometimes I'll I'll ask a follow-up question, explain that to me. Okay, explain that. And sometimes you have to do a follow-on question to get more out of the people. So they really, they kind of unpack it, unpack it, and you just keep writing, keep writing, up on the wall, up on the wall, up on the wall. You know, Dr. Seuss, San Diego native, said, I have heard there are troubles of more than one kind some come from ahead and some come from behind you want to know where what needs improvement and if it's you as a leader you write it down welcome it get the feedback your bottom line is we need the help we need the help dr seuss goes on to say but i bought a big bat i'm all ready you see now my troubles are going to have troubles with me i love it we need to find out what needs improvement the people on the front lines at both in leadership, but also at every level, will tell you what's up. Create that safe space. And then lastly, what are your ideas? What are your ideas? Crucial that when you do this exercise, that people, okay, here's what's working well, people are affirmed, and it galvanizes a team. Here's what needs improvement. Here's the challenges we need to go to work on. What are your ideas? Joseph Prince said, Listen with grace, with no judgment, without imposing the law. And Burrell uh, said, part of being successful is about asking questions and listening to the answers. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a wonderful process. And when you finish up the meeting, you have basically wallpapered the room you're in with what's working well, what needs improvement, and what are your ideas. Now, what I tend to do is I'll actually take those sheets and I'll stick them onto one another. So all the what needs improvement, all the what's working well, all of the what are your ideas, stand together. Whether it's done at that time or not, and usually I do it later, I will then after the meeting get together with my either leadership team or administrative people and go through the ideas. And I'll go through the problems. And I'll go through what's working well. And what I'll do is make sure that we're doing a better job of acknowledging the what's working well. So that in the communication, in meetings, in emails, hey, just so you know, great job on this, this, and this. Secondarily, the what needs improvement, sometimes you have to go back and do a little verification. Sometimes there's a little one-on-one meeting needed for more explanation. And you find out that there's problems. I remember when I was interviewing Neil Armstrong, this happened with One of the contractors who was building the lunar landing module, um, the pilots had an issue with one thing on the lunar landing module, and they eventually brokered and facilitated a meeting with that company uh, kind of around NASA. And they got kind of to the crux of the meeting, and where one of the chief engineers goes, well, look, these are my concerns about this, but NASA wants this but you guys are going up on it, and if my son was going up on it, I wouldn't want this. And they ended up making a change to the lunar landing module. And that change, several missions later, when the famous Apollo 13, where the where they had to turn the lunar landing module basically into a lifeboat, the changes that were made years before is what saved those men's lives. And it happened because they 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 went digging for the answer. They didn't just go sign off and get buried in the bureaucracy. They had to go beneath it so it's very very important to get people to buy in that they see that you take action on their ideas so uh, this may come as a surprise to you how you go about applying this but let me tell you how you take action on the people's ideas the first thing is to implement the low-hanging fruit some of the ideas are going to be simple easy quick and inexpensive sometimes it's uh we want fresh drinking water in the uh in the entrance to the building, or uh, we'd like to provide snacks, or we'd like to have the windows washed, or it's something insignificant, small, but it's not insignificant if they bring it up and you take action. So you go for the low-hanging fruit first. By definition, low-hanging fruit, we use that phrase all the time, it's the obvious or easy things that can be most readily done or dealt with in achieving success or making progress towards an objective. So you you have this big long list. Some of them are going to be you know major issues. Some of them are going to be major ideas. But when the team hears and sees, and you communicate, hey, we're going through all the whole plan. But there was a few things we could do right away, and we're taking action on immediately. Powerful stuff. Uh, Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher, he said, "Do the difficult things while they are easy, and do the great things while they are small." A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. So the implementation. Start with the small things, the low-hanging fruit, because what that shows is we've heard you, we're taking action, and we've got momentum. And people love to come to work or be in an organization or be on a team where they see progress being made. Next, prioritize your action steps. Prioritize your action steps. When you come along and you see the bigger, bigger to implement ideas, you've got to prioritize that list. And it's what's most crucial and most vital and most important to the well-being of the organization and the operation. And then you've got to break those down into its subparts. Now, in a company like mine, it's got to get broken down by department, and then each individual department has to kind of meet and get their piece to that pie. But at the end of the day, you prioritize then the big items and then prioritize the action steps in there. Gandhi said, all good thoughts and ideas mean nothing without action. We've got to take action on things. Thomas Jefferson said, do you want to know who you are? Don't ask, act. Action will delineate and define you. Mark Victor Hansen, my friend, said, your beliefs determine your action and your action determines your results. Powerful stuff. We've got to take action. The last thing I encourage you in as a leader is you don't need it all. And sometimes those answers on the action steps are now, soon, and later. And sometimes it's not at all. Sometimes, okay, I I know you think we need that. But that's not actually connected to the overall strategy. And this was not a strategy meeting. And so I didn't bring you into the overall strategy, the organization, or where we're going. So some of them I'm not going to do. And as a leader, I get to choose. And if people are like, you know, going to resist you because you don't take on all their ideas, well, you need to tell them, you need to go start your own business, do your own thing, lead your own team. You know, you don't have to do it all. That's very, very important. So we're going to implement the low hanging fruit. Prioritize the rest, and then prioritize the action steps, and then you don't need it all. David Allen, who we did a podcast with uh, on getting things done, he said you can do anything, but not everything. Simon Sinek says, "Dream big, start small, but most of all, start." And then uh, Steve Maraboli says, "Take action. An inch of movement will bring you closer to your goals than a mile of intention. The road to hell is paved with good intentions." What are we trying to do? We're trying to get people to buy in. We're trying to get people to weigh in. We're trying to be better. And we're bringing people along the way. Collaboration needs to be done in person. This meeting will not work over Zoom. This meeting needs to be done in person, old school, flip chart, marker pen. But when you do it, boy, will you get people bought in. People need to feel heard. Try the magic meeting. What's working well? What needs improvement? What are your ideas? And then take those ideas, implement the low-hanging fruit, prioritize the big ones along with action steps, and remember you don't need to do it all. Well, hopefully this has been helpful for you today. This has been helpful for me for 30 years in running organizations and businesses and teams. And by the way, if you'd love to find out a little bit more about leadership and being a leader of a team and how to bring people together, you might want to check out, there's a few seats available for our Team Leader Conference On September 13th and 14th, we're going to be at the Arizona Biltmore. And my great friend Pat Lencioni is going to come and talk about the five dysfunctions of a team. And we're going to help people build up great teams, make them productive, put them on fire, and then get these great team leaders uh, synergizing together. So if you have those dates open and you want to be a better leader, that would be a great place to be. It's been fun with you today. This is really uh, inside dynamics of For me, uh, leadership, things I've done to bring people along, you know, uh, without beating the drum too much, I just want to say, you know, this stuff's worked. Buffini Company has, for the last six years, won an award to be one of the best places to work in San Diego. And that's done by an independent third party who do an exhaustive interview of your team and ask very direct, difficult questions. And we, by the way, we use that to get feedback, to be better also, because some of our team members will give this third party hey, well, I think they could do this better, and so on and so forth. So it kind of works like the magic meeting. And so I've been able to be very productive for the past 30 years as a leader, and I've been able to build a team where people contribute and give me their best. People like working in an environment that's excellent, where they also have a chance to help it become more excellent. So I say that not to self-aggrandize. I say that because this is the best I have. This little magic meeting is really one of the key ingredients I use and have used for the past three decades to build successful organizations. So hopefully it's been helpful for you today. So many people have been asking me. I decided, why don't I uh, record an episode just on this topic? And so I'm going to finish off today with a magic blessing from a magic person. My mother, Therese Buffini. I'm going to see her in Dublin here in the next couple of days. She's 91. She's still got that spark. God bless her. And she's going to give us all a little Irish blessing today to send us on our way. Hope you enjoyed today's program. I hope you learned from it. We'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.